We launched the cartoon Cops this week, and uh, the episode is The Case of the Ready Room Mutiny, which is uh, number 52 of their 65-episode mm-hmm. run. It's crime fighting time. You're listening to Amazingly Terrible, the podcast that asks if a toy company doesn't make a cartoon to sell kids garbage, was it truly a toy company at all? I'm Adam, a disgraced barista living out the rest of his days in the wilds of Seattle. I'm Matt. I am three beers deep and ten puffs in. I'm Derek, and I watched The Mandalorian. Oh. (laughs) Those were cheese puffs, right? I'm David, and I have not watched The Mandalorian yet. Actually, oh. Derek is hell-bent on trying to ruin The Mandalorian for all of us. <laughs> I am not. Oh, God. I'm, I'm honest to goodness trying to just protect you guys from the fucking jackasses that are going to ruin it for everybody. You told us that his name was Jim. His name was Jim Manuel Dorian. Jim yeah. Manuel Dorian. Mm-hmm. Matt, Matt, you say that, but his actual name is Mando. Jim Mando or is it Mando Mandalorian Mando Mandalorian (laughs) Jim Mando Mandalorian because it follows the Marvel method Mando Mandalorian hey David did I do too much of like a radio announcer voice for the start of this show yeah could you make it feel like more authentic and real Adam yeah was it just like the podcast that asks if a toy company doesn't make a cartoon to sell kids garbage, was it truly a toy company at all? Yes. That's right, like, Adam. Sunday, Sunday, <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> no, I feel it, like I you're like Friday. a morning shock job. Friday, Friday, Friday. Right there. So I got to ask you guys this the, a weird question. But growing up, do you remember that there was two radio stations? Yeah, because 101.1 was more of like a classic rock, classies old, classic oldies rock sometimes. Yeah, and they just played shittier shit. Yeah. So is this? This uh, is in DC. You're talking about, yeah, because DC 101 still exists, but WHFS doesn't anymore. And they still have the same playlist from the 90s. WHFS does still exist. They turned it into a mariachi channel. Yes, overnight. Overnight, like yeah. literally overnight. They they had the DJs no coming to work, way. and they gave them their pink slips and said, "Get the fuck out! We got these other guys coming in." And yeah, they, and they uh, played uh, and they played mariachi music the next it. day. <laughs> I remember <laughs> radio stations do that a lot. I, I remember a lot of radio stations that were suddenly Christian rock. Um, that's because that's when Clear Channel was buying everybody up. Yeah, when I was at the academy, like in the gyms, it was uh. It was like people had a preference between DC 101 and WHFS. So that, that swap over occurred sometime I was there. I didn't know they went to a mariachi station. I just thought the station went defunct. Well, in all, it did, basically. Right, yeah, it was bought out. It, to actually kind of add to this, the station I listened to as a kid growing up out of Detroit and Windsor, Canada, was called 89X, and they just did an overnight... Um, content change and they went from like Detroit's alternative like they have been around since like the 80s and like the underground scene and all the other stuff in Detroit and like alt rock in the 90s and now they're a light country station nice (laughs) oh boy nice Nice. (laughs) yeah anyway on it at at DC 101 there was I guess like a late night DJ or maybe an early early morning DJ 
and he had like the DJist voice, but he would like tell these little, he did, he was so low, but he had like, he, he could tell he wanted to be a morning show, but he was just a solo guy. Cause I don't know. He was too creepy for anybody else to work with. And he would do <laughs> like these vignettes, right. Where he would tell this story. And the story was always like him having sex with a woman. Um, <laughs> You're talking about the grease man. Yes, the Grease Man. And his he His name was the Grease Man. His name wow. was the Grease Man. So he just like fully embraced the creepiness. And right. he yeah, he would tell these stories where he like overcame or like did these great things or something. And then the real bulk of the story was then a woman wanted to have sex with him. And he would like explain how they like were having sex. And then he would play or like make drip sound effects. It was the creepiest most disgusting thing. Eve, I think I, I was like 14 and I was like, what the fuck is this? It was super gross. It's also the reason why if I hear a uh, these certain sound effects in movies, it instantly takes me out and I consider the movie completely unprofessional. <laughs> because, because you heard them you heard the grease man use them yeah i i completely associate those with cheap uh radio dj sound effects yeah because nice. nice. he would do these whole like soundscape vignettes like they were little like but the script was always the same he does something great and a woman wants to have sex with him i i have i have, my favorite thing about uh whfs was when they did the um well they did the whf festival they're really good about putting on those music events but when they did the Nine Inch Nails Christmas concert, the advertisement they did for that was the they would play the Nine Inch Nails song, so it'd be like, "I want to violate you, ba rum bum bum bum. I want to desecrate you, ba rum bum bum bum." That was my favorite commercial growing up. Um, nice. I think that came out when when we were like fifteen or something like that. Uh, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty deep. My my other fun radio uh, story was when I was working at uh, WBRU in Radford. Um, for whatever reason, people kept on putting me on the incredibly racist named rap show, the Mahogany Hour. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Wow. And the problem with that is I did not listen to rap at the time. I still don't really listen to rap, but I did not listen to rap at the time. So I did not know what songs were clean to play on the radio. <laughs> and we did not have like a rack of cleaned music. This is amazing. So every other fucking song I played was a Fresh Prince song because he's the <laughs> only guy I know that raps without cursing. You had the whitest. Well, you had the no, whitest no. rap show. Uh huh. And as as I'm I'm playing it so that I can basically put on Fresh Prince of Bel Air while I'm listening to the next song I want to play, just to make sure that nobody drops any f bombs in it. And you then I slip that song. In. You couldn't do any prep, you lazy piece of shit. No, no, no. Because it was literally like somebody would be like, "Oh, I got to call out sick. Can you take over my shift?" Uh, okay. And it would be like literally, I I I I did that like three times. I got so many fucking death threats. <laughs> it was 
hilarious. <laughs> and, and, and like at the point, like somebody called and was like, "Play Fresh Prince one more fucking time. I will come down there and kick your ass." And I was like, and I basically was like, "I know. I don't want to be doing this either, man." <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys. That's the end of our show. We're not going to top that one tonight. See you all next I mean, week. I, I knew this was going to be our last episode, but uh, I thought it was going to have to do with the show that we watched. <laughs> well, first of all, Adam, I, I know exactly why they put you on the radio, because your voice is fucking luscious, dude. It's well, luscious. Well, that's the thing is, like, they usually had me doing, like, the classical hour or the jazz cafe. Like, I was doing, like, the the morning shows that were like the things that the teachers would listen to. Yeah. Um, and cause, cause this was the radio station attached to Radford university. And, um, so I, w- I was more of like the, like the, the smooth mellow guy that just sort of was like, yeah, there for folks to come in. You got that classy taste in that rapper face. <laughs> just going to say for, for the listeners, uh, Adam has a lot of face tattoos. Yeah. 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 He looks like post Malone, but mm-hmm. But black. Hey, hey, David, David, David. <laughs> yeah. Who's post Malone? Don't he's know. he's after pre Malone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. I thought Malone, Malone was after. Yeah. <laughs> that's after the moment. That, that's yeah. the moment we live in. We are all Malone. <laughs> yep. Right now. Okay. So, so I've ch- I've checked one off my list. My Radford radio DJ story. I just got to figure out how to work the dead horse story in somewhere. We'll get there. We'll get to the dead yes. horse. I'm I'm really impressed that like people legitimately threatened you. <laughs> oh yeah, all the friends. I'm not surprised. I... <laughs> uh... Well, I I actually remember um, during that time frame when I was in um, working at the radio station. That's actually when the Black Eyed Peas came out, pre Fergie. Yes, and it was when it they was... were actually good. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, it was they were actually awesome. very good. I used to play uh, it constantly. Early two thousands. I used to play them constantly on the uh, jazz cafe. Like I'd manage to like work them in somewhere between all the classical jazz. You were so yeah. woke then, man. What happened to you? Yeah. I I turned white. Oh, yeah. that's he woke not, up one day and was a white guy. That's a yeah. classic post Malone move. <laughs> 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 Late career Malone. Yep. So today on Amazingly Terrible, we watched. C period, O period, P period, S period. Or COPS. The anacronym of... Central Organization of Police Specialists. Exactly. It it says police in it. Yes. Well, it didn't say cops in it. I'm surprised it wasn't like cops of police status. So is this... Was was this another attempt at selling merchandise? Or was this a show before the... Toys or toy before the uh, show? Toy, this, toy before the show. This is actually a very interesting version of this, though. So, yeah, so let's hear the it. Makers, the makers of Cops, they did go through the efforts of attempting to create the um, classic formula of creating a cartoon and a comic book and pushing a toy line all at the same time and attempt to sell the toys. Cash in. This is one of the very, very few times that the cartoon outshone the toys. That's interesting because they were Hasbro oh. brand. They, yes. And one of, the, one of the missteps that they took was they actually did not make toys of all of the characters. <gasps> 
And you will notice that this series, for the fact that it came out in Bush 1 era, 88-89, this series had was pretty ahead of its time in the sense that it had several female characters in it, including several female bad guys. And some of them almost look like they might actually have a line in the show. Not in this episode. Not in this episode. (laughs) No. No. We've got one strong female character in this episode. But in in that um, misstep, they actually wound up losing a lot of the consumer audience because everybody wanted uh, either misdemeanor, uh, Whitney, the uh, reporter, or one of the two um, other female police officers, uh, Mirage and Mainframe, I believe. Yes. Uh, since they did not have those characters, people actually, or since they did not have those toys, a lot of people just didn't buy any of the toys. Why did they want those in particular? That seems like very against the target demo. I think that was, I think this is one of those cases of, you know, Marvel's like women don't sell movies. I think this is one of those cases of, oh, girls will not buy action figures. Girls want Barbies. They want, they're not going to buy these action figures. And I think that a lot of girls did. And I also think that a lot of um, people wanted to get like a complete set of all the characters, and they just didn't have all the characters on the market. I think it makes a lot of sense because the premise of this show is essentially G.I. Joe mixed with Police Academy in a horrible, loveless marriage. With like the seriousness of G.I. Joe. Mm. <laughs> Maybe the seriousness of Police Academy. Of police Academy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the writing of G.I. Joe with the seriousness of Police Academy. There we go. So this show did come out in 1988. It ran from 1988 to 1989. And like the classic model, they did uh, make 65 episodes right out the gate so they can get that syndication. Okay, so if anybody is confused about uh, the, the TV show that we're talking about, this actually got resyndicated in 1993. So in order to ensure there was no confusion between the cartoon and the reality show, they called it Cyber Cops. Also to capitalize on the popularity of the reality show. And then, to uh, confuse things even more, uh, they changed it back to just Cops when they resyndicated it in, like, 2004. Which is what it truly should be named. Yeah. None of this cyber bullshit. So, for Cops, every episode opens with um, Agent Baldwin P. Bess, or Bulletproof. Yeah narrating the name of the case file that would be the subject of the show. So, cops, fighting crime in a future time, Mm -hmm. takes place in the far-flung year of 2020. I know, it's amazing. Oh, does it? It takes Uh place in 2020. (laughs) I didn't pick up on that. Man, they got their future prediction way the fuck off. (laughs) Well, it's because this is the no-effort future. Like, they put no effort into thinking about what the future would be like. Their idea of the future would be like an Art Deco fax machine. Of course we'll still have (laughs) fax machines. They'll just be "Mm, Art Deco. Yeah, we like Art Deco. That's that's like that's the, the most fun part is the fact that it's described as they're described as being in a city that is crime riddled. Mm-hmm. The name of the city is Empire City, but this this crime riddled city, Empire City, is the cleanest city that I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, it's also beautifully designed. Like the background paintings are gorgeous. They are. They yeah, are. I think they took all the artists from this to go like work on Batman the animated series cuz actually there's Ooh. feels like a ton of similarities between the uh, architecture design and the sets just you know Batman was a billion times better I could I could totally <laughs> tell that I could totally see uh, that yeah so 
Uh, so, so the whole premise of the the TV show is Mayor Davis, the mayor of the city, realized that the crime was getting out of control, so he requested assistance from the FBI. The FBI sent Agent Vess to go take a look at things, and Agent Vess was saying, when Agent Vess first took on the job, he realized that Big Boss was the problem for all the crime in the city, so he immediately went to go take down Big Boss. In the process, he got into a car accident where he was hanging off the side of Turbo's van (laughs) and crashed into a building. And the injuries that he sustained were so serious that it crushed his torso. And the doctors, this is the important part, the doctors told him, you will fully recover in one or two years. Or we can replace your torso with a robot and have you up on your feet tomorrow. Would you put your brain in a robot body? What, like a robot human body? Yeah. No. I'd put it in something better. Yeah, a bulletproof robot. And he said, I cannot waste time. I got to get Big Boss. Give me the robot torso. It's so ironic because that's kind of what this episode is about as well. And the robot torso made him bulletproof. And now his nickname or his call sign is Bulletproof. I think he made the right call, honestly. Well, considering his name was Baldwin P. Vess, mm-hmm. of course yeah. he's going to be Bulletproof Vess. So once, Bo- once Bulletproof gets his Bulletproof chassis, he talks to the current police officers in Empire City and says, start recruiting. I need to pull in the best police officers from all over the country. So they get a guy from Detroit. They get a guy from Chicago. They get a guy from Texas. I'm sure they got guys from other places. And importantly, they also got two girls. Yay! Well, well, one was already there, in all fairness. Mainframe was part of the Empire City Police Force. Oh, is she? Okay. Bulletproof came in. So They just happened to have a computer expert there? Yep. Yeah, she, yep. she was there in the background. By which I mean, like, painted on the cell. That <laughs> yeah. She's actually part of the background, Matt. Right. That painting. They just kind of uh, moved it up and down when they had to make her walk. This week, we're exploring the case of the Ready Room Mutiny. Before... Before we get into the episode, can we? Okay. Do you want to talk about the opening, the show opening, or do you want to do that? Oh, yeah. No, no, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah. yeah, let's go ahead and talk about that now. So the the opening is actually awesome. Matt Matt pointed yeah. this out earlier. The opening is actually the best part of this cartoon by far, and I found it eerily familiar. Like I don't, I don't remember watching the show, but I sort of remember the opening. So I may have seen it one or two times. It's great. Like it's super fast paced. It's beautifully drawn. Uh, mm-hmm. There's tons of really fast motion. It's cut really well. The music is timed up really, really well. And it just like really builds to this great, uh, into this into this great feeling. And um, the show does not deliver on that. Everything that Matt said, yes. And it, it actually has like varying speeds. So it kind of like starts off a bit slow. Yeah. With like the classic, like, it's cut Detective, to the music. Like the, the dick music in the background for like a classic noir movie. Yep. And it starts off with that. Um, the narrator, Bulletproof, says something. I don't even remember what he says. Prob- probably the 
fighting crime in a future time. Yeah, at first she says fighting crime in a future time. And then it, it pops off, and the music speeds up, but it keeps the same instruments. So it's actually an instrumental with, like, trumpets and trombones, but it just speeds up. And then you hear in the background, like, this bass guitar beat going that kind of, like, brings you in. And then you see this high-action, high-paced uh, action scene where you actually see multiple... I'm sorry. You see all of the bad guys and good guys jumping in and participating in some sort of action and it's like a way to introduce you to all the characters ahead of time yeah. before the episode even starts and it feels action-packed uh, the background cells like i said are actually really beautifully painted it it looks great and there's, there's one scene in particular where one of the main good guys i don't remember what his name is but he's like the beat cop uh is sitting in his car we do like a close-up of his face which is actually very well drawn. It's very expressive. And he looks up, very expressive face, looks up, and then it pulls out, and we actually see a robot jump off the top of a building and land on top of his police cruiser, closing yeah. the roof hatch to it. And the there's a guy riding the robot that shoots off, and then the police cruiser takes after him. And that entire sequence right there, for some reason, that entire sequence reminded me a lot of um, Cowboy Bebop. It felt yeah. very anime-ish. Yeah, I was getting that or Appleseed vibes. Oh, yeah, Appleseed. Yeah. Not the bunny. I don't, I, I don't know why. I don't know why. But it um, it definitely felt that way. And I do I do remember this intro very clearly as a kid. I'm pretty sure I did watch this, this episode or watch this series. It's a great intro. I have a distinct memory of, like, I continued watching the series waiting for that episode to come out. Oh, you thought it was like cut together from from show clips. Exactly, exactly. So I was yeah. like, I, I got to keep watching this because I want to see that episode. I want to see that episode where that robot jumps on the car. Well, it's so much better drawn and lit and uh, pretty much everything than the rest of the show. It's clear that like yeah. they did this as part of the pilot. Oh, he says it's crime fighting time at the end. So yeah, so that's that's the intro. We get into the episode, and it opens with Agent Fester Bulletproof doing his narration, talking about the case file. Um, so we jump right in, and it starts off with a raid on an abandoned warehouse, is what they call it. But it actually turns out it's a toy factory. Mm -hmm. Scene one, we do like an establishing shot of the city, pull into a homeless guy wrapped in a blanket, wearing really shitty shoes that is like his toes are sticking out of. He then throws off the blanket, and it's none other than an established character, Mace, who is okay. essentially the SWAT team proxy. He's considered yes. to be the SWAT guy. And man, is he a beefcake, just like every fucking character. Yeah, he is giant and square-jawed. He is built like a brick shithouse. But he immediately hits a button on what looks to be a future walkie-talkie, but bigger. I thought it was and, a, deton a detonator at first. <laughs> it's their version of the iPhone. Come on, get it right. But he hits the button, and he co basically calls in all of the other cops. And they come pulling down this alleyway in uh, their police vehicles with sirens blaring, not making any attempt to hide themselves. They also, their cars look like toy cars. It looks like they're riding around in bumper cars. Yeah, with with giant machine guns on top. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was one of my first kind of observations in this show was that that was the point where it jumped out at, and I was like I, the first thing I thought was wow those things look like Mario Karts 
Yeah. And then that made me realize, oh, they animated it to look exactly like that. The toy. And that's the toy that they're producing. Because the cop cars look like shit. <laughs> Realistically, <laughs> they're terrible. And then also, it, it seems like every cartoon uses the Acme whatever. Now, I know that that goes back to Looney Tunes, but is that like a thing? Like when they came out, like what? why Acme? Does anybody know the answer to that? I think there was a short period of time where there were a lot of products called Acme because they mm-hmm. were attempting to get high up in the yellow pages. So it was like mm-hmm. a nonsense word that they could call themselves that started with an A. So they could be in like the first page of the yellow pages. That's like the reason oh, why AAA gotcha. is AAA. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's all an attempt to try to – it's like a marketing type thing. So. Gotcha. I and, just I just wondered because I remember that as Looney Tunes, you know, whenever they do the Coyote and uh, Wiley Coyote would always order like the Acme Rocket or the Acme Paints or the Acme Blow Up the Roadrunner kit. And then you see it in this cartoon too, so I didn't know if there was something – if that was like a, a nod to something specific or what. I mean it, it, anybody working on an animation at this time would definitely have been a huge fan of Chuck Jones and uh, the original – Looney Tunes, so mm-hmm. I'm sure th- yeah. I'm sure they just continue it as an homage. So anyway, uh, Bulletproof pulls up, just steps out of his car, and says something like, Acme Toy Factory. So here's where Big Boss has been storing his stolen loot. And then Mace says, that's what they say, referencing fucking nothing. Like, I don't know what. <laughs> no, I think he said, like they say, this must be the place. Yeah. Something what, like that. What, who says that? They say it, evidently. So anyway, they're looking at this toy factory that's uh, supposed to be abandoned. And um, Bulletproof asks Barricade to go ahead and, and bust down that door. Barricade's my favorite character. And Barricade comes up with his magic weapon that appears to be able to do everything. His MacGuffin device. His thumpy stick. His thumpy stick. I thought stick. it was a vacuum cleaner at first. Yeah. It's, it's called the Mule. Because <laughs> it's got a kick, uh, which is essentially like a backpack-mounted extendo reach baton thingy. <laughs> he looks he looks very much like a GI Joe. Like this, he does. This he does. Feels he feels like an original generation GI Joe. He's got a helmet. He's got a big old backpack and like a very weird gun. And one of the reasons why I thought his name might be right is because he's actually our riot police um, proxy. He is supposed to be the guy that's most proficient in crowd control. So he would be the arch nemesis of Riot wait, from wait. Jim and the Holograms. Why is yep. he carrying the battering ram? I do not, because I'm sure what happened was the rioters were like, what the fuck do riot cops do? There's no riots. We, we don't have to worry about crowd control. We got to have them do something. Yeah, I mean, the things that riot cops actually do, you can't show in a children's cartoon. But anyway, a Barricade walks close to this garage door, not even like up to it, but close to it. He's probably like a good six feet away. He stares down at his mule, and he says, half power. He's like, uh, I only need half power for this job because I'm a professional, and I know what's necessary, and I'm going to use the exact right tool for the job. And then he's he gets to the moment of truth, and he says, no, you only live once. I'm going to knock this door down with full power. And he, and he shatters the door. Yes. 
the door shut. Whatever it was, half power or full power, he obliterates the garage door. <laughs> he, yeah. he probably could have gotten away with half power. Let's let's be honest. Yeah. The scene actually then uh, transitions into the scene where they're searching the toy factory for, um, I guess, for Big Boss and his henchmen. Well, it, or, they find out it is truly actually abandoned. Yeah, they, they don't find any of the loot. They don't find any of the stuff that Big Boss has stolen because that seemed to be the main thing they were looking for. In the process of them looking for it, though, they come across a few different things. It's a series of traps. Yeah, it's a series of, like, prank traps, too. They, they're yeah. like non-lethal traps, just sort of like a way for Big Boss to kind of needle the cops instead of actually, like, trying to take them out in any fashion. Um, there, There is a great scene in here, though, um, which actually made me very impressed with the animation. Um, and, it, and it's the first one. They, they first come across a um, puppet, mm-hmm. and it's actually a mace. A, a marionette. Sorry, yes, a marionette. And it's uh, initially mace and highway, the patrolman. They wind up getting caught in a rope trap that lifts them in the air. And there's mm-hmm. actually a, um, one still where they're being like flipped upside down, and you can actually see Mace's shoes. Yes. And they're still the shitty shoes where his toes are hanging out. And yeah, they're the shoes that are like duct taped together. Yeah. Whoa. That that tiny little bit of continuity impressed the hell out of me. I feel like they put money into this show. There's a lot of like there's some good drawings. Again, like background paintings are, are beautiful. Um what they didn't put money into was writing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. No. But in uh, all fairness, though, I'm pretty sure that this uh, this episode of uh, Cops was like the fucking wire for kids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Taser comes, uh, who's another character, comes to cut them down, and he has a, a pretty uh, large jetpack that he triggers and does the slowest fly up and cuts down the ropes. He he is I don't know why but that character creeped the hell out of me. <laughs> he looks he, like he's silent. He yes. he looks like a fucking Vincent Price character just sort of mincing around in the background somewhere <laughs> doing nothing just waiting for his time to like pounce on an unsuspected uh he, molestation he, victim. I totally get that because the way his eyebrows are drawn, the way his face is drawn, he he kind of reminded me of the the liquid metal Terminator from T two. Mm. Like he he he's he's very creepy looking, and he's yeah. dressed like a World War two German fighter pilot. Yes, yeah, but with but with thigh high black boots. It is so weird, but he, he's like the only I guess flying cop. Yeah, they that's, call them. That's they call them they, flops. They they do have a they do have a uh, uh, helicopter pilot, police officer, but this guy has a jetpack. He can fly so on he, his own. He he really is like the um, what's the word I'm looking for? Plot point, not plot point. Uh, plot device. He's the, he's the yeah. linchpin of the episode in some ways. He, yeah, he, he's the plot device in order to ensure that this story continues to go forward. So even even better analogy for what this guy looks like is not necessarily a Luftwaffe pilot, but he looks like a New Jersey state trooper. <laughs> Just like go drive through New Jersey, that's what will pull you over. Uh, yep. So they they're walking through this this uh, uh, abandoned toy factory. They come across several traps. One of the traps actually introduces us to the full potential of the mule, mm-hmm. where barricade 
uh, comes across a bunch of boxes. Um, and he says, stand back. I'm going to reverse the electromagnetic polarity to force all of the nails to come, uh, out. Nails to come out of this box. And he clicks a button on the mule. We see some sort of waves come off of it. And then all of the nails that look like screws just sort of like fall out of the boxes. Mm-hmm. And inside the boxes are dozens of balloons, multicolored balloons that float up to the ceiling and then pop and release clouds and clouds of wonderful cocaine. I thought it was pepper, oh. but I like yeah. that cocaine. Yeah. Oh, no. What, what is what is the brown brown? Brown, brown brown. You're right. Yep. So it's filled with brown brown. Uh, <laughs> so what was that you were saying about your search history earlier? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> what did you wait? Did you just put in there black cocaine? No, no. I typed in uh, cocaine mixed with gunpowder. So at the end, Mace comes up to Bulletproof, and he says somebody must have tipped off Big Boss, and that's why we can't find anything in this warehouse. And um, Bulletproof uh, gives one of his classic responses. He says, "Hmm." I actually wanted to point out the third trap as well. I know we're kind of going through this itemized, but th- this was the one that actually skeeved the fuck out of me. Oh, is it the, uh, the Sundown Jack in the, house, a, Jack in the Box? Yeah. Sundown walks up to a Jack in the Box that's winding down, and then a robot, like a robot arm pops up with a head on it. And the head is like, it's like a toy head basically, but it's wearing like a helmet, and on top of the helmet is a gun. And it, it looks like a mix of uh, the the Batman who laughs and um, Robo- and Robocop and Robocop. Okay, yeah. Um, but but it pops up. It's got this gun on it, and Sundown like gets really close in the face of this thing, yeah, like he's like- inspecting it. And in the moment that happened, I was like, "You live in the fucking future, man. There are robots everywhere." How are you not going to get shot in the face by a laser on this thing? What's wrong I mean, with you? The thing is, like, the future that they live in is, again, the world's low imagination future. No effort future. Like, it's not clear that there are any robots anywhere. Yeah. I, isn't there that, that classic sci-fi or that classic line about sci-fi that um, a good sci-fi writer predicts the car? A great sci-fi writer predicts the traffic jam? Um, I hadn't heard that line before, but it sounds good. Everybody yeah. loves everybody good loves a good sci fi book about traffic jams. <laughs> I'm just saying that this is a sci fi cartoon about cars. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we we wind up cutting to the next scene, and the next scene starts off with everybody asking, "Is Bulletproof going to take his vacation?" And then we oh. cut to a scene of Commissioner Highwater who is a uh, woman. They make the commissioner... (laughs) I don't know if it's intentionally or unintentionally. She looks, instead of like a waif-type female character, she looks like like kind of like a powerful, like powerful protective presence type thing. It was just an observation that you said earlier, everybody's buff. (laughs) Everyone's buff, too. Here's the thing about... I do like the fact that they did that as well. I like the fact that... um, they they did make her. Her arms are fucking huge. They made yeah. her like a very strong uh, 
female character, yeah. but they also made her like physically strong as well. Like like they did play around with like some of the body types. But there was one character that that popped into this um, series that we did not see in this episode, and that was Misdemeanor. And we know that mm-hmm. Misdemeanor is actually she is incredibly strong. Right. She's she's, she's actually throw, like a strong guy. She's like a, she's like a crazy old evil grandma. Yeah. Yeah. She throws a car in the opener. Yep. Like if you go back and watch it, she picks it up with turbo and they throw a car at a building. Uh, with, and not like with um, not turbo with crusher, uh, crusher. Oh, with the other guy. Oh, okay, crusher. yeah. Well, but and it's, and it's not like they're like flip the car into the building like a bunch of drunk college kids after the you know the Vancouver Canucks got eliminated from the Stanley Cup. Uh, no, they like <laughs> pick it up and hurl it into a building. Yeah, like That's... multiple stories above them. That sounded like a specific example there, Derek. Do you have a story you want to tell us? Uh, no, just one of the times I was out in Seattle, the Vancouver Canucks got eliminated from the Stanley Cup, and they rioted and burned cop cars. The end. That's not as bad as when they actually won the Stanley Cup, and then they rioted in downtown Vancouver and burned the cop cars. <laughs> and burned cop cars? Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of what they do there. Yeah. So, again, like this is another one of those moments where I was like, this cartoon was actually pretty ahead of its time. They're actually putting like women in positions of authority. They're doing all of this. Like it seems like a pretty diverse cast, and it seems like there's a lot of uh, really good depictions of women in power. Yes, but D.A. Highwater has a man's jaw, has a man's walk. She has a man's haircut. She has a man's voice. She's wearing a man's suit. (laughs) She does not have a man's voice. (laughs) However, to your credit, she does have the eyes of insane, coked-out llama high in the Peruvian mountains being tracked down by big cats. So... Yes, exactly. Um, but no, yeah, she just like all of our other good guy characters, she has a square jaw. Every single motherfucker has a square jaw. In the future, they just must hand out square jaws. Yes. But, Commissioner, it starts off with the, the cops saying, I wonder if Bulletproof's going to take his vacation. And then we cut to a scene where the Commissioner's talking to Bulletproof. question for the ages. And she's like, Bulletproof... I'm pissed off at you. And he's like, why? Because I'm going to go on my vacation? And she's like, no, because you're going to go on your vacation after you fucked up. <laughs> and then her and then her buddy, her sidekick, her assistant's like, Brannigan. maybe he maybe he needs to go on vacation. Brannigan. Yeah. yeah. Brannigan's he, like, maybe he needs to go on vacation to relax. He has a voice that sounds like it was dipped in the blue fluid you would see at 50s Barbers. Well, so, so we get two things established here after we talk about the vacation. I think it's mentioned six or seven times in this one scene. That he's going on vacation? That he's going on vacation. We get the two things established. Um, Bulletproof is setting up some sort of elaborate sting, which requires him to not be there. And two, the bad guy is Brannigan, because Brannigan is the only long-faced character in a sea of square jaws. Yes, and he says and, things like, "He says things like, yes, you should go on vacation. It's allowable for people not to work all the time. Mm-hmm. That is permissive in our society. Don't work yourself to death. What a villain. He is. True, true villain. Ugh, you can tell he's not a capitalist. So, we get those two establishing plot points. We then move directly into the third plot point to get out of this entire conversation. And it's when the cops are talking amongst themselves and are saying, I wonder who Bulletproof is going to leave in charge. I wonder who he's going to leave in charge. I bet it's either going to be Longarm or Barricade. Mace. Don't know which one, though. Mace, sorry. Longarm or Mace. Don't know which one. And Bulletproof comes out and says, as you all know, I'm going on vacation. 
Yes. Wink. I'm going to leave in charge. Sundown, our Texas Ranger proxy. Uh, and everybody's yes. like, Sundown? He is old and from the country. Yes. How, he can, how can he manage a bunch of inner city police officers? I, I think what they really said is, Sundown, he's Hispanic. <laughs> and wasn't it the commissioner that said that too? Basically. Yep. Yeah, the com- yeah, no, everybody the- was yeah, everybody was gasping and the commissioner was like, He's too old and country. <laughs> He's I can see a wrinkle on his face. I gotta say, Sundown, an awesome name. Right? An awesome name for like for the quote unquote elderly character too. Yeah, it's a great name. Uh, He's Sundown. Because I want I was like a hundred percent like his name is Sanchez. They're gonna He's, they're going to call him Sanchez. He's Sanchez something or other. And then they were like, sundown. I was like, okay, cool. Sundown. I love it. It's ominous. I did kind of think he looked more like a uh, Victorian pugilist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, For he, should sure. be wearing, he should be wearing like a one piece and lifting like those, those like one ton weights. Those the barbells handle. that were like round balls at the end. Yeah, those are like the, just like the, the like weird conical weights that just have a handle on top that you just sort of lift up. Yes, and he should be going. Hup, hey, hey, and he, and yeah, he's, his one piece is striped. Bully. Obviously, yeah. yep, black one, and white striped. Exactly. Yeah, that's so a good call, another, David. I didn't even get that. Nice. Another famous sundown from the '80s was the uh, the black guy in Top Gun with the mirrored the mirrored glasses. He was one of the... I can't remember if he was a pilot or backseater when they were in Top Gun together, the original one. But he wore huge mirrored aviators. Is that the technical name? Backseaters? Uh, an NFO and an F-14 would be a backseater, yeah. Whoa. So th- this actually or brings a up... Rio. This kind of brings up a good point that I think we sort of skipped over uh, because we don't really see people in this way. Um and it, and it just sort of happened that Matt mentioned um, the vaguely Hispanicness of um, Sundown. He's um, Hispanic. <laughs> Bulletproof is uh, black. So, like, our main character, like, our our primary hero. Point of view, yeah. Is, is a black man. And I think yeah, that, I like, I like that, that about the show a lot. That's that's another reason why I keep saying that this, this show was a bit ahead of its time. Because you got to remember, this is 1988. This is, like, the same time that Bravestar was coming out. Yeah, I mean, like, compare this to sectars, in which yeah. you could tell yeah, that those right? insects were white. This is much more diverse and much more interesting. And even though they don't really have speaking parts, there are female characters who do female things. They they do have they do have speaking parts like in the rest of the series. Just how happens in this particular episode, they don't really have those characters come into play. I sincerely doubt that this show would pass the Bechdel test. No, but I think it's the closest we're gonna get out of the shit we're watching. Show. I mean, Jim. Safer Jim. Safer Jim. Yeah. Jim, Jim's a bit of an anomaly. So, going back to diversity, that scene right after the commissioner says a country boy leading city cops, there's a pan of all the cops. There are multiple shades of skin tone. There are, there's a couple, there's a couple different females. Only one <gasps> is a blonde, one is an Asian female. Um, Jersey, Jersey State Trooper, I think. Is she, though? Her name yeah. is Mirage. But they are, they are in the far background. But again, at least, yeah. at least they yeah. are being represented. They are part to of the map extent, yeah. like you were saying. The guy with the helmet, the helmet and the mustache is yeah. What Bollywood. is up with that guy? 
Yeah, who, who okay. is that? What is he supposed to be? Oh, is that the I guy with the no dog? Idea. Is he supposed to be a... F- yeah. No, no, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's the canine officer, that's right. Oh, he his is? Name, yeah, his With the red is, hat? Yep, yep. Because the the dog... Was oh, it's the like one with the... Or, uh, yeah, it's dog. got the, like, the, yes. the old like school 1970s head, so. police car rotating beacon on the top. Uh, yeah, on top of the dog. <laughs> yeah. That dog would be so great at a rave. But that guy looks straight out of Bollywood. Like, he's going to do some of those Bollywood moves where, like, the car flips over him and he yanks the perpetrator out of the car as it's, like, overhead and stuff. That the character's name is Rex Bowser Pointer. He goes by <laughs> Bowser. And the name, mm-hmm. of his, the name of his canine companion is Blitz. Nice. Cool. And I, I, do, I do like this, actually. I, I, I didn't even catch this before. But Sundown's civilian name is Walker. Like Walker, Calhoun. Texas Ranger? Oh, boy. <laughs> so Walker, Texas Ranger. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> so cool. They pan over these guys, and they're still all white. <laughs> yeah. They're varying shades of white. I'm just I'm trying to add a little bit of credence to what Adam was saying. Like, compared yeah. to Sectoirs, <laughs> where they were literally all the same shade of Caucasian, this at least has some varying skin tones. Yeah. Well, what's what's interesting though is is we we saw the inverse in, in sectors. So sectors, it, it was all white guys versus a diverse group of bad guys. In this series, it's actually a diverse group of good guys versus white group of bad guys. White so we're looking group at of white guys. White group of white guys. Yeah. We so we got like a monochromatic bad guy group and then a highly diverse good guy group. Yeah. I, I keep saying highly diverse with a. It, yeah, it's very diverse for 1980. It's 80s diverse. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. You got yeah. a black guy, you yeah. got a Hispanic guy, you got two women, one vaguely ethnic. Anyways, I was just so. adding to the point. <laughs> okay. So at this point, we cut to the rooftop penthouse of Big Boss. Big Boss. So in scene four, Big Boss is working on a bank robbery plan with a model of the city and his two top henchmen. Rock Crusher and Turbo. Yes. I prefer to call him not Kingpin. Yes. Or po- not or Kingpin, po- yes. Or possibly <laughs> evil Louis Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> See, I thought he was a mix of Al Capone and G. Gordon Liddy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is this is a uh God, what, what is this? This is actually like an impression of a classic mobster character yeah that was played in like very old 1940s 1950s black and white films yeah I, he's he's an al capone rendition proxy yeah. yeah the name of the actor that they used to do that character uh edward g robinson he's a romanian actor you would always hear him being mimicked in a lot of other property associated with uh crime fighting specifically with the mob Mm-hmm. So he was always kind of like somewhat high pitched voice, like, "Here's the crime. See, we're gonna take <laughs> out the big guys. You know, something like that. Kind of sound mm-hmm. a little something like that." And um, so I actually thought that it was a pretty good impression of that actor playing a mob boss. I mean, it wasn't subtle. <laughs> it was not subtle. It was it was pretty in your face the entire time. The other thing I noticed about Big Boss. Yes. Is that the buttons on his white coat are police badges. I assume from 
Oh, um, I didn't catch that. Yeah, I assume from uh, policemen that he is killed. Killed. Like or, the ears of yeah. his enemies. Or nice. like notches on your, uh, yeah. on your headboard. You have a headboard. So, wait, do you think that those are poli- police officers that he killed or police officers that he fucked? I mean, you pick your adventure. What's your nightmare, Adam? <laughs> my nightmare The way Big Boss... Yeah. Wet dream. <laughs> the death But, Matt, yeah, I picked up on that, too, and the reason that I did pick right. up on it is as I was watching it, my first thought being this is the first episode of the show that I can recall watching i might have watched this as a child but i don't know uh is that he was a disgraced member of cops i was like oh he has he has his badge what? still oh. like i'm gonna get yeah. them uh and then i as he stepped away in another scene i noticed it was the buttons down his his jacket were uh were that mm-hmm. and then the uh i liked the the retro futuristic yeah. 1980s version of a telephone where we don't use a fucking standard keypad in in Cops 2020, we just have 10 buttons, mm-hmm. one through zero, like arranged across in rows, like a QWERTY keyboard. His whole phone conversation was amazing. <laughs> it was just, it goes, yeah. <laughs> that just made cat <laughs> just noises like, well, for like well, okay. 10 seconds. <laughs> well. <laughs> you know, I heard that some people pay good money for that. So, yes. Louis Big Boss Anderson um, is, is definitely a bit of a character here and he he changes his mind immediately after that phone call to change the the heist from a bank heist to a jewel heist and we get two things established in this scene the first thing crusher is dumb as shit and there is an actual mole inside the cops headquarters it's hinted at before we pretty much already knew that but here it's definitively out for us. Can I also talk about how I love the fact that the other henchman's so, name is Turbo? Because this is right in the middle of like the Turbo yeah. heyday. Everybody in the late eighties, early nineties loved Turbo. Like they would write Turbo on shit that had nothing to do with Turbo. Just like this guy, because this guy, I, I have no idea what they call it, Turbo, because he just looks like a yeah. overly steroid dude, bro. Because he's got like he's got like the mutton chops that grow into his mustache, but he's also got like a buzz cut, and he's wearing glasses the whole time, and he's wearing like a Hawaiian T-shirt or a Hawaiian shirt, not a Hawaiian T-shirt. Yeah, I mean with, he um, he is like like suspenders. He is the quintessential '80s late '80s dude, bro. And the fact that his name is Turbo, I think there's a missed opportunity to write Turbo across his sunglasses. That'd be the only other way to make it perfect. If like in the upper third oh, of his yeah. sunglasses said Turbo. So the only thing that I could think of, I, I didn't actually research it at all, but the only thing I could think of is maybe he's supposed to be the the wheel man. Maybe he's supposed to be yeah, he, he could be. the I guy just, that drives everybody. I, I would also completely chalk this up to the fact that back then, turbo was like the thing. Because turbo was the only way cars were going fast in the late 80s, to put like a bit of like realism behind all of this. It's the fact that engines yep. had gotten neutered with the gas crisis in the, crisis in the late 70s, so they weren't making huge, large block, large displacement muscle car motors. And in the late 80s, you had little inline fours and V6s, and the only way to make those things go fast was turbochargers. And so turbo was super-duper in vogue, and, of course, it just just permeated everything. It, it, like, 
Yeah, you want to get a polo shirt that says fucking turbo underneath the collar so that when you pop it, girls know that you're fucking turbo, you could get it. I do want to get that. <laughs> I hope it exists. I made that up on the spot, but I should research it. And if it does, Merry Christmas. We're all getting them. That's our show uniform. <laughs> Are you kidding? If they don't exist, we're manufacturing them. Turbo polos. So so tur- Turbo's full name is Turbo Two-Tone. That's cool. I, Suck on I that, don't know. Derek. I'm just, mm. hey, the late 80s, it was Turbo. Turbo was everything. Turbo and Crusher look like they're related. Well, in all fairness, yeah, all the bad guys kind of look like they're related. Because they all true. kind of like have like a crow magnum face. Like in any of these strong guy, quote unquote strong guy, bad guys, yeah. look the same. So like Berserko, Crusher, uh, Turbo, uh, I think, yeah, I think those are like the three tough guys in the group. Uh, and we, we do wind up seeing Berserko later on. I think he's the third one that joins the group at the very, very end. Yeah, they introduce him with like no preamble at all. He's just, okay, now he's here. But this is episode, this is deep, right? It's 50-something into the season. Yeah, yeah we're, we're close to the end. We're very close to the end. Yeah, so if you are if you were watching this, seeing him show up, you would know who he was. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, because you had it passionately followed every episode of Cops. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's a the, lot of it was, character it was development that we've missed over the past 50 episodes. Tons it's, of it. It's possible. <laughs> Scene five. All the cops are sitting in the lounge or the ready room of Cops Manor or HQ, as I would call it. Um, and they're all bad-mouthing Sundown. The only thing that ca- kind of cracked me up at that scene is uh, you can see Mainframe just squeezed onto the couch <laughs> next to Mace, and she has, like, no room, and she's, like, all scrunched <laughs> in, and the, these big, beefy guys are just like, Urgh. they're totally manspreading. They, yeah. yeah, they totally are. You are right. So anyway, in this, in this scene, we get uh, the entire group of cops that are sort of lounging around in this area. Just talking shit about Sundown. Oh. And he walks in the room. They can clearly see him, and none of them stop. <laughs> <laughs> they really don't give a shit that he's there. They don't care that he can listen and hear them. And they have no. no respect for him. No respect whatsoever. And and the, the important thing is, is he doesn't give a shit either. Like, as soon as he gets up in front of the podium, he's like, All right, motherfuckers. Things have been gotten lax around here. We're going to start doing things my way. So first off, PT, every morning. And we cut to like a montage, like a pseudo montage. We cut to like a little mini vignette of them jogging. PT, they're jogging. Yeah. And he yells to his crew, just 30 more laps. And they're all complaining. I love how he says, guys and gals. And the other thing is, he has the cutest little blue bandana around his neck. He does. It looks honestly great. I kind of loved it. <laughs> yeah. Their their workout attire is very late 80s, early 90s. They have like the old school sweatsuits. Another guy's wearing like a oh, track yeah. suit. Like it is not to steer thunder. In the very next scene, he goes over diet and nutrition too. Well, no. The very next scene was him talking about how people's paperwork has been shit. And he's yeah. got to fix a bureaucracy going on here. And he yeah. basically tells everybody, try to get the paperwork right this time. Yeah, uh, learn the, to fill out the shit properly. And in between those, we get a badge wipe, where the they transition through the shape of a badge into the next scene. Good call. I didn't even catch that. that I didn't. Yeah. I, didn't I didn't think to talk about it. I guess. And then to Derek's point, we then cut to the nutrition part. No, at first we have the pickpocket part, where uh, old Bluey 
old blue guy brings in a pickpocket from the main street area. Yeah, that's when he and talks that's, about the, uh, that's the, paperwork. the paperwork. That's still part of the paperwork. That's still yeah, that's, paperwork he's on the paperwork kick so. then. Which, by the way, have you guys ever seen Pickpocket by Robert Bresson? No. No. It's, it's from was it written in the bad part of the town? Uh, it's from 1958. It's a very weird film. You should check it out. 1958, the bad part of time. Yeah. Uh, it's French. The good part of French time. <laughs> the good. It's always good time in France, except maybe World War II. It's always good time or in World War, time. Or World War I. Or, or the French Except Revolution, the or the Hundred Years' War, or Napoleon, or like yeah, or the War of the Roses. The Paris Commune was another bad time too. So then, to Derek's point, now <laughs> they talk about they talk about nutrition. I thought this was another kind of missed writing opportunity in here. I got vibes of like growing up watching Sesame Street talking about like you know the Cookie Monster healthy food rap song and like exercise and everything. And I initially seeing this, I thought this was aimed, going to be aimed at a younger audience to be like, you need to get outside and, and exercise and you need no dessert before you eat your vegetables. But then there's no follow-up to it. It's just a line in there like, no desserts before vegetables. But I don't even think it's a dessert the guy's getting. He's getting a fucking hot dog. Like who well, eats hot dogs well, for doesn't, dessert? It, doesn't even, it actually doesn't even look like a hot dog. It looks like a soy dog. Yeah, yeah. And sundown, <laughs> and sundown walks down there and slaps the sausage out of his mouth. Yeah, <laughs> he really does. <laughs> which, which, honestly, if you think about it, this is o- his only really dick move. All his other yeah. moves, like he's like falling procedure, yeah. he's getting them healthy, but he literally takes food that this man has purchased for himself away from his mouth and throws it in the garbage. Well, yeah. in all fairness, he does he does provide him with other food. He gives him a, a vegetable. Yes, and those salads yeah. look pretty good. Yeah, if my boss really came down and like actually. made me a, a like a custom salad with uh, all those ingredients, I'd be like, "Thank you, sir." It, honestly, when I was looking at it, I was like, "This looks like some shit I'd get in Japan." This looks like like toppings on like yeah. a really nice ramen, or yeah. like even some type of uh, like savory salad dish. I'll bet it has a vinaigrette. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Maybe maybe like a like a shirataki mushroom. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe a little umami flavor. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think what we're trying I to got go some for in is... my pantry, <laughs> literally right now. It's <laughs> not despite, a fucking joke. <laughs> despite people's reticence on a new boss coming in, we could. I think it's pretty clear that Sundown actually might be the best boss they've had in a while. Yeah, because he he sets up a free salad bar. Inside, <laughs> inside the lounge, he gives and them the interest that he yeah, prepares yeah, it ev- for him. Everybody has these salads. Yeah, yep. yeah. He 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 offers up like he he's actually trying to fix the systems that they use as far as like paperwork and all that to ensure that big bosses uh, henchmen don't go back out on the streets. So he's trying to make them more efficient with their job. He's giving make sure them the charges stick, giving them and time to exercise on company time on the clock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is fucking amazing. What else I, could I, you ask? Honestly, for? I think Sundown might be like the best boss in the cartoon universe we've seen so far. Uh, he seems to care about the, both their physical and their emotional well-being, and he cares about uh, um, good, solid policing. Like these are supposed to be the best policemen in the United States, and yet they're still like paperwork. That's bullshit. Yeah, like yeah. they'd be like, no, paperwork is essential for good policing. No, I I agree with you on that one, Matt. I think he's a he's a superb boss, and like what these guys represent, these guys are essentially a crack guys and gals, a crack police commando team, <laughs> who are all specialists at what they do, but they can't be 
fucking bothered to fill out their Excel files for their arrest records? Yeah. Okay, so we're going on to what I'm calling scene six. All right. Where Sundown is just sort of strolling down the avenue. Mm-hmm. Sort of taking his time. Oh, I guess uh, an important point to, to actually drop on the last little vignette where they're talking about nutrition. This is when all the cops are like, you know what? This is the last straw. Yeah. Fuck that Sundown guy. And they yeah. say, you know what? If Sundown wants to do things his way, then he's got to do it all by himself. Right. And the next scene, we see Sundown just walking down the street. Apropos of nothing, just walking down the street. Because he's he still sees... walking his beat. He's that kind of he's that kind of chief. He's still keeping his beat. But he sees a door open on a building. And his immediate thought was, that door didn't open itself. <laughs> There's crime afoot. Well, it is the future. It might have opened itself. It's the lazy future, so it didn't. You're right. No automatic doors. <laughs> so, uh, Sundown calls for backup, but then rushes in regardless, without hearing back from anybody about whether or not backup is coming. Uh, we we quickly, I'm keeping it in the same scene, but we quickly cut to the lounge area at the uh, cops' headquarters. Well, I think they're they're in the communication closet or something. Well, they're playing chess, which is a good shorthand for telling us that these cops are smart. Is it, or is it the fact that these two cops are playing chess in the middle of the day at work? <laughs> we have to defund the police. I'm thinking it's more of the former. Although, like, if you watch them very closely, I don't think they're actually playing chess. They're, like, playing checkers <laughs> with, with chess, chess pieces. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but anyway, it cuts to a quick scene of that, and we see uh, Sundown's face pop up on a computer screen. A giant-ass boxy computer screen where he's calling for backup. And Brannigan just happens to be in there, and he turns it off before yep. anybody can see it. And that's when Turbo, out of nowhere, just drops a giant box on top of uh, Sundown. And it's like, it, it's an open box. So the bottom's cut out of the box, so, so Sundown's basically just inside the box. Yeah, and it is the perfect size to trap a Sundown. Perfect size shape fits over sundown uh, and he does nothing to get out of the way even though stepping one or two feet to the left or right would have easily avoided this problem yep and then we we see the the uh, bad guys kind of do like a quit all right like basically like celebrating a little bit and we cut back to the police um, lounge where we do a close-up of the turned off video telephone and then it's bum 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 to commercial. We get to watch the TV through the TV. It's so meta. Welcome back. What a fun commercial. Anyway, we return for commercial to uh, both Turbo and Crusher uh, gloating outside the, uh, the giant box that Sundown is trapped in. In Sundown, instead of attempting to Lift, lift the box the off box. of himself. Or even just sort of tilt the box. Yeah, yeah he's, he's definitely a big enough guy that he could probably lift this because it looks like it's just made out of wood. Or, or just crouch down and, and, and tilt, you know, tump the tilt box over. over. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Instead, he pulls out his six shooters <laughs> and then shoots so many bullets in a perfect outline of himself yes. that he basically just sort of like cuts a hole for himself. 
to get out of the box. Here's my question. Uh, though The turbo and crusher are standing right in front of the box. And exactly. then he shoots an outline of himself around, which should have perfectly hit both crusher <laughs> and turbo directly in the forehead. No. And then it, bisected it their bodies. It should have hit both of them like 40 times. Yes. Least. So yes. the other best part about this is he has two what we assume are six shooters. We'll even give him benefit of the doubt and say that his... his uh, Future six shooters. His drums or whatever are eight round, eight round cylinders, and he shoots probably a hundred and twenty bullets. So that guy can reload fast as shit. Well, I mean, the the hole that is cut is like he he cuts a hole that's like perforated, like a yeah. prize out of the side of a uh, cereal box. Yeah, like a stamp, like the old school stamps. Yeah, and he does all of that in like two seconds. So not only can he load super 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 fast. He can also shoot super fast. Yeah. Because it's the six shooters. In all fairness, though, that type of shooting is possible because you can see some guys do some fancy work with six shooter guns nowadays. (laughs) But that is really fancy. I don't know. Maybe we're missing something here. Maybe, like, in a previous episode, we found out that uh, Sundown actually has, like, hollow arms that are just full of munitions that automatically feed into his guns when he holds them. Who knows? This is the future. So he shoots himself out. Should have killed Turbo and Crusher, but didn't. Instead, they get freaked out. They're scared as shit because Sundown suddenly came out of the box. And they ran off, jump in their cars, and drive away. And Sundown chases after them and the intent to try to capture them. And he says something along the lines of, do you think I'd be so stupid to come here without backup? Backup should be here by now. Actually, where the fuck is my backup? Mm -hmm. And that's when he realizes there's a problem. Scene 8, we cut back to uh, Cops HQ, and Sundown is chewing out the rest of the cops for ignoring his call. And he tells Bran again that he has no right to be in the computer room, and he needs to get the fuck out. Yes. Again, not he is doing nothing wrong. He has done one wrong thing, and that is to throw out someone else's uh, food. He didn't throw it out. I mean, he removed it from their mouth. He threw well, it in the did, garbage. Yeah. He did throw it in the garbage. You see a scene. You see in that scene, he grabs yeah. it and throws it in the garbage. Yeah. So, so at this point, the sundown is like the guy who cleans out the fridge on Friday, and you're like, "Well, I was gonna eat that. There was cake in there." <laughs> you know, fuck that guy. He took my <laughs> fucking cake. Your cake had got like become fucking self aware. It's been yeah. in there for nine months, dude. He's like, I clean, I clean the the uh, the fridge every three months. Scene 9, we cut to the cops uh, at the commissioner's office airing the grievances about Sundown. Mm-hmm. And it's Riot, Barricade, and um, Blue Guy. And we basically come in with on Barricade saying, and the smell of the guy. Um, <laughs> and then Commissioner Highwater says, you know what? Bulletproof put him in charge for a reason. Um, and, and, and at any rate, we can't even get a hold of Brute. We can't even get a hold of Bulletproof for another week. So he's he's incommunicado. So we're just going to have to de- do... We're just going to have to make the best of a bad situation and just keep on with Sundown. Yeah, so this... the uh, What we've learned here, it has been less than a week. Yes. Yeah, it's only right? been a couple days, I believe. It seems like it may have even just been one day. Yeah. This guy can't... <laughs> these guys can't even, like work out and eat healthy for a week without it being a huge issue for them. One day. Like, 
I mean, if somebody came to you and was like, we're going to eat delicious salads for a day, you would just be like, okay, great. You know? I, I, that dude would be my best friend. Yeah. I'd be like, Fixing delicious if, salads. If somebody came in and said, you're going to be eating delicious salads for a week, I'd probably be like, fantastic God, because I get fed so much meat at home that I'm just like, uh-huh. oh, this is going to help me. I, I just uh-huh. need some vegetation. Uh-huh. I need some roughage. My 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 diet of coffee and beef is just not <laughs> not helping my butthole. <laughs> coffee, beef, and cigarettes. It's all I eat. Just like John Wayne. <laughs> but, and um, that's John Wayne brand cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's been a day. They they tattle on their boss. They go to their boss's boss and like mm-hmm. he made us do stuff. I had to do paperwork. And and but she handles it great. In all fairness, I think Commissioner Highwater handled it the best way by basically saying, "Fucking suck very, it up." In a very caring and compassionate way, too fucking bad. Yeah. And 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 they seem to walk away satisfied. They're just like, "All right, we'll just have to deal with this for a week." Then Brannigan co- comes again. Up. That is the appropriate reaction. <laughs> Did we talk about how Brannigan is wearing a fucking blouse? Yeah. No, no, we actually didn't. Yeah. Yeah, like, how police, dare he? Police commissioner is wearing a shirt and tie and Brandigan is wearing a blouse. And we're not even we're not even talking like uh, like that is a blouse blouse. Like he may as well just have like the blouse stud at the top of it. Does he not have the blouse stud at the top of it? No. It looks like almost like he's wearing an ascot a little bit actually. Um or the like thing a, that I noticed about sweater. the costumes that I actually really liked is that they really decided on a very defined look for the future. So they all have these incredibly thin small ties. Everybody's got mandarin collars. Yep. And then they, they have do. these massive shoulder pads on all mm-hmm. of their on all of their coats and it's fairly consistent like they do it enough that you're like no this is like the fashion of the time. This is 2020 fashion. And anybody that's actually wearing some type of overcoat seems to have a, a popped collar. Yes. They all have popped collars. Yep. So Every- like their, their shirt is a Mandarin neck shirt, but then all of their overcoats are popped collars. Hey, Matt, what is what is a Mandarin collar? A Mandarin collar is basically just a, a straight collar, straight across. It was very popular in the late 90s, early 2000s with uh, uh, athletes. You still see it, um, yeah. It looks like a priest collar, basically. You know, it's like without the, um, without the wedges. Oh, yeah, gotcha. And, t- it and typically, typically, it's like a stud. You don't really wear a, a tie with yeah. it. Typically, you notice know, it's just like a stud. It would, yeah. it would, um, it would almost be like if you have a removable collar dress shirt and you don't yeah. have the actual yeah. white collar in. It just, yep, comes That's exactly what it is. Gotcha. So. um so yeah, everybody has like a very specific style here. Brannigan's like, what was that all about? And the commissioner says, well, the cops are upset. So upset, in fact, that tonight they're going to be protesting in the City Hall Auditorium uh, <laughs> against uh, the fact that Sundown is their their boss. That she's saying they're, they're going to be protesting in the auditorium. And, and this is the question that I had. It begs the question of if the cops are the ones protesting, Who's going to be shooting tear gas, rubber bullets, and flashbang grenades at the protesters? Yeah, are they? These cops aren't going to beat themselves, or are they? Like they, these are cop specialists. That's true. It's a good thing the black guy is bulletproof. <laughs> oh, oh God! <laughs> mm. Oh no! 
Rough. <laughs> Jesus. Um, oh, oh, my God. Hold on. Time well, out. Well, I mean, time if, out, if we know out. anything uh, about history, it will be other carp cops who are not wearing badge numbers and are not identified in any way and are wearing riot gear. So, David, when we get canceled off of this podcast, yep. what podcast yep. do you want to When we get fucking cancel culture is coming for us. Uh, at any rate, Brannigan gets quite the... He looks like he's the goose who ate the gander. Or something like, like that. He he all but like hunches his shoulders up and starts like rubbing his hands together, going, "Excellent." Yeah, he does that. <laughs> he does that talking where you don't move your teeth. You're like, eh, <laughs> <laughs> "That's right." I, I did notice that animation where they <laughs> they didn't actually have his like mouth open. It was just his lips that were moving across his teeth that were clenched. <laughs> yeah, and I think it, that was just a bit of lazy animation. So anyway. We cut back to Big Boss, who is now um, talking on the phone and announces off the phone to his now three henchmen, Turbo, Crusher, and Berserko, who we're seeing for the first time in this episode, mm-hmm. um, but is, is a character. I think that he's supposed to be like the Big Boss's nephew. This is the first episode, this is the first scene where I realized how well-dressed Turbo is. Yeah, that's oh, really? what I was mentioning yeah. earlier. He's wearing like a dress shirt with a popped collar and suspenders yeah. and slacks. Like he is late. He looks good, dude, bro. And well, it's the like funny a thing soft, is, is like soft pink. His, yeah, his popped collar is actually it's not even a collar. It's it's the popped Mandarin collar. Yeah, he's got so, an un, undone Mandarin. Yeah, but yeah, and, and he's also wearing gloves. And I think that that's I think this actually telegraphs to us that he is the getaway driver. The fact mm. that he's wearing like oh. the driving gloves. Yeah, good so. call. Yeah. Uh, in this scene, we also learn that the criminals are afraid of a model of cops headquarters. Yep. Because this is when the big boss basically says to his group, it is now the time for me to pull off my biggest heist ever, because we know that the cops are not going to be at Cops HQ. And Crusher's like, are you going to be robbing the Bank of America? <laughs> and he's like, no. No, I don't. I they're so busy robbing everyone else that it would be pointless to rob it. And all the money will all go back to them eventually, anyway. And now the kingpin's like, "Come on, game got to recognize game. I cannot yeah. rob those guys." No, no, no. I'm talking about robbing this place. And he points to the model of the cops' headquarters, and everybody freaks out. Like, what are you talking about? Which we all, of course, know by heart and have memorized the outline and have tattoos of. Yep. I have the tattoo of it on my inner lip. Mm. <laughs> See? See? Yeah. So you can flip it down yeah. when, when you're doing cocaine or yeah. like, I don't know much about cocaine. Or dip? Do you, is that where you put dip? I think that's where you put dip. I'm not sure oh, though. Dip's bad, I really guys. Dip. Yeah. Um, I'm actually surprised we didn't get a PSA at the end of this uh, episode. This seemed like the perfect series to actually attach PSAs to. Where so. at the end they're like, don't do dip? Yeah, we're like, remember kids? Only misdemeanor does dip. <laughs> Be like sundown and smoke cigars. Yeah, don't do dip. <laughs> Eat bubble tape. It's suspiciously in a dip-like box. <laughs> so in in this scene, we also uh, get uh, the line from not the kingpin where he says, "Yes, cops HQ because they have all of the loot that we've stolen over the last six months in there." Mm-hmm. That the wrong arm of the law took from us mm-hmm. 
um, Del- disgustingly or something like that. He, I think he says disgustingly or discriminately. No, he, he uses alliteration. He uses alliteration at this point. He It is a delicious pun. It's oh, the wordplay. Oh, no, yeah. Well, all the wordplay on this is, is fantastic. <laughs> the henchmen are sneaking in the back door of cops' headquarters. And mm-hmm. initially they're talking about how they're going to be breaking in. But then Turbo's like, wait, wait, wait. Let's check to see if it's unlocked. And lo and behold, it is. Mm-hmm. And it's because the little bird on the inside unlocked it for him. And the three crooks, the three henchmen, sneak into the back of police, of cops' headquarters. And a shadowy silhouette of a figure in the background peeks around the corner to see what's going on. Foreshadowed. That shadow, that foreshadowing, that shadowy silhouette is not played off at fucking all. No. They never tell us who that is. Yes, they do. Because they it, imply, it, it, but they it don't. It can't be bulletproof. It couldn't be bulletproof. Wait, 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 wait. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. First, we get a scene of um, Sundown. Whittling. Preparing to slay some vampires. <laughs> yes. He is clearly whittling a butt plug. <laughs> it, yes. is, it is. It yes. is. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely has a flared face. You're right. Um, <laughs> again, again, the poli- they are at work on the clock and they're playing chess and whittling. Like, how hard is their job, really? No, that's true. That's true. But we, we, we see the scene where it's just sundown whittling and Branigan sneaks his head into the office just to make sure it's just sundown that's there. Yep. And he unplugs the communication channel. Yep. So then we cut back to the scene of the henchmen sort of sneaking around. We wind up here in Crusher, uh, make some sort of loud noise, and Turbo yells at him. It's like, be quiet. And Crusher's like, why? There's three of us. There's only one guy here, an old man. Mm-hmm. We should be able to take him out just fine. And then Turbo says, you need to be quiet because Big Boss told you to be quiet. And I thought that was a great line because it just shows how infantile Crusher is. Because Crusher was just like, oh, why don't you just say so? The Big Boss wants me to be quiet. I'll just be quiet. Well, it also shows his inherent inability to understand Maslow's hierarchy of societal pressure i think that there's four levels there's um not obeying the law there is uh obeying the law because it's easier than uh not obeying the law there is obeying the letter of the law because it is the law and then the the fourth fifth fourth level is understanding the principles behind the law so that you obey it the higher guiding uh understanding that the law gives you i think actually it's not maslow it's erickson Okay, so yeah. just edit in that I said Erickson. Yeah, is that really a Maslow's, thing? Maslow's, not really. Ma- yeah, I, I mixed up with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I am yeah. I am very impressed on two different levels right now. Impressed level one, you made that the fuck up, and it sounds great. Impressed level two, <laughs> or... you actually remembered that from like college philosophy, <laughs> like AP uh, AP psychology. Wow. You have chaotic evil. You have lawful neutral. You have uh, lawful good, uh, lawful good. good, no lawful good. good, and then lawful. Okay, lawful good, the chaotic good. Chaotic good in this instance would be higher because uh, 
the fourth level is that you might actually disobey the laws because they don't conform to those principles. Correct. Wow, we're smarter at D&D than we are at Erickson's four (laughs) fucking laws of law following. (laughs) <laughs> laws of law, law, law. I'm cu- I'm curious because I took I took AP Psych in high school too, and I'm curious if I learned that. Well, if you don't know it, then you didn't learn it. There, do you? Did <laughs> no? I probably memorized it for the test, wrote it down, and then flushed it. <laughs> right. He, he I'm just purge. giving you a hard time. This is pointless knowledge. <laughs> no, that was impressive. I was sitting here like, wow, that's good shit. So there you go. AP AP Psych did something for our shit yep. podcast. But, uh, <laughs> so. So what you would be saying is that uh, Crusher is following the he's the at level- law as it was being put down by Big Boss, right. only because Big Boss made a law. Yeah, so he's at like level three, where it's uh, he will obey the law because it is the law. So yeah, we have that great little play between Crusher and uh, uh, Turbo, and it also kind of illustrates how Turbo doesn't actually know how to lead a team because he always has to like rely on the fear slash awe response of the name of not kingpin dude to get everybody to kind of fall in line i mean that's how you lead a team <laughs> that's great. hey guys i'm i'm not the one saying that you gotta work over the weekend to pull like a double yeah, time but shift it's I, it's it's my boss uh, it's He's not right the kingpin. my ass I, you know? i'm on your side I mean, but not the kingpin I, says we gotta you know work what? all weekend i would totally be cuts. here with you guys working over the weekend but like i have these non-refundable fishing trip tickets so i'll be thinking of you though i'll be thinking of you yeah and fuck the man i'm out yeah not it's all not the kingpin and not me right <laughs> bye so the henchmen sneak past all of the uh the security measures to get directly to the uh, evidence locker, and the evidence locker looks like like a vault from. It's awesome. It, it is awesome, but it looks like a vault from like a casino. It looks yeah. like a like a giant tube that's just made out of like a, a like six inch steel all the way around. Yeah, it looks and like this. It's a cylinder into the center of the earth where Iron Man stores his armor. I feel like there was a missed opportunity here for them to have like a, an animation of like the tube coming up out of the ground, like them showing like how mm. secure it is. It's like but, a piston. Yeah. Yeah. But this is when Turbo tells uh, Crusher to go ahead and go do his work, crack open the safe. And Crusher says, do I still have to be quiet? And Turbo just sort of smacks him and tells him to, to get it over with. And we see Turbo with his jackhammer sort of jackhammer the locking mechanism on the uh, giant safe for about like two seconds. Well, he's found this big pink button and he really yeah. uh, gets his jackhammer in there and he really slams the fuck out of that clitoris. <laughs> to the point where it like cracks go, into folks. a bunch of different pieces. <laughs> yeah. And it just sort of falls out of the uh, the the vault. And obviously it, that was the only thing keeping it in place because as soon as it falls out, the door just sort of swings open a little bit. Yeah, be careful what you wish for, ladies. That's all I'm saying. I'm protecting you by not hitting your G-spot. So, like, in this perfect analogy, (laughs) if you hit their G-spot, their vagina would fall off? It would fall right off. Vagina, vagina, vagina may fly away. (laughs) Like the entire vagina just fall off. Well, it's never happened. Oh, man. So you're saying you never hit anybody's G-spot? <laughs> yeah, I'm protecting them. 
great. So anyway, <laughs> the door swings open to the big reveal of Bulletproof. <gasps> He's been inside the vault this whole time. Can we pause there for a second? <laughs> so motherfucker goes on vacation and hides in the evidence vault. <laughs> okay, are you fucking kidding me? If you're a cop, how great of a vacation would it be to just like hang out in the fucking evidence locker? You got cocaine, <laughs> yeah, yeah, heroin. You probably got like a ton of booze that was stolen from a bunch of that was taken from a bunch of kids. He's just in there shooting all the guns off. <laughs> yeah, just going in this, he's probably... in this very clearly bulletproof cylinder. He's just fucking blasting away. Mm-hmm. But well, he's, he's also bulletproof. bulletproof. He's looking at so... all the nudie magazines they confiscated from kids. Exactly. Oh man. So he's actually, just yeah, that's a pretty good time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the only downside is you get a real rumpled, dirty trench coat, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Crusty. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Bulletproof steps out to the huge reveal, and we also have Sundown show up. In and a Sundown's, Sundown's movement. And this is when Crusher, who is behind the door from the vault, goes ahead and, like, within seconds, jackhammers off the hinges to the door. And basically topples the door over on top of Bulletproof, who jumps out of the way at the last second. And they make a run for it. Turbo then shoves Sundown down the stairs, which I was actually really worried about because Sundown, the way they talk about him, it sounds like he could break a hip at any moment, even though he looks like a pretty young guy. So the three bad guys then run off through cops headquarters just to be stopped by Mace and a few other cops. The teams. The whole fucking teams there. They change directions and start running down the hallway just to be stopped by barricade and a few other cops and they change directions again they keep saying wrong way and this is when crusher utters the final perfect line of i think every way is the wrong way (gasps) back in the commissioner's office we see bulletproof and sundown letting her in on the whole plan so despite the fact that the commissioner was telling brannigan that the cops were protesting obviously lying to brannigan because we didn't hear anything about it, she was not in on the entire sting operation. No, not at all. She didn't have any knowledge of it. And she's actually, like, a little upset with them. Like, you know, I'm the commissioner. You should be passing these plans off on me. And Bulletproof's like, well, we knew we had a mole in the in the uh, organization, and I knew it couldn't be Sundown because he's too old in country <laughs> to be because, the mole. Yeah. So I made him in charge. Because he's too lazy to betray us. <laughs> Terrible. It was like so we figured out that it's Brannigan that's the bad guy. And then Brannigan's like, You don't have any evidence. And they're like, What about this photo of you shaking the hands of Big Boss? And we also have these photos of you pressing buttons. Well, at first and that's they when he was like, the... Oh, this this evidence is irrefutable. Well no, at first they're like they show him pressing the big pink button. And he's yes. like, That proves nothing. Which it does. And then they're like, but you shook Big Boss's hand. And then he's mm-hmm. like, <gasps> which does not prove anything. No. No, it just shows you shaking somebody's hand. But it just so happens the Taser flies in and catches him to save the day. And that's when Bulletproof yells out to him, hey, Taser, make sure you get that that special package to the jailhouse. And then do the paperwork. Right. And then do the paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that would have been great if Sundown then yelled out after him, yeah. do the paperwork. <laughs> motherfucker i was not joking <laughs> well well the best part was is we we then cut to like the, the button on the show where we see we see um god uh, damn, god damn his, high water's got a jaw on her 
oh, <laughs> we yeah. see Brandigan getting cuffed and like taken into the jailhouse while Bulletproof is narrating. And Bulletproof basically says, like, this was the case of the uh, Ready Room Mutiny. Everything returned back to normal. Well, maybe not everything. And it pulls out to um, Sundown leading PT with the rest of the cops. Mm-hmm. And they're like, it seems like Sundown made uh, one positive contribution to the team. And it was like, motherfucker, so you stopped doing the paperwork again? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, I would rather Are you, you supposed guys to do be the paperwork. Fed? Yeah. Fucking jog on your own time. Although but the commissioner got- ran, too, in the exercise program. Yeah, I got to yeah, say, yeah. Uh, uh, Bulletproof's outfit, he looks slick. Yeah, <laughs> he looks <yeah>. good. <laughs> no, that man like knows style, how to dress. I feel like the style for most of these guys are, are pretty good. I mean, obviously, they're doing the G.I. Joe thing where it's like... Everybody's got, a, everybody's got a theme. Yeah, yeah. everybody has their own little theme. Everybody kind of looks a certain way. Because I actually really liked uh, Mace's outfit as well. Mm-hmm. I yeah. thought that, that was a, a pretty pretty cool design i mean it almost makes up for the fact that all these characters were clearly designed by tom of finland <laughs> hey yes. john hey john hey john, john. who the fuck am i talking to <laughs> hey david oh jesus who's tom of finland google why it. do you think i know all these things because you know everything david no no i'm serious adam google it you'll enjoy it <laughs> Some sort of male porn site. Good, you'll uh, Yeah, go for it. It is male porn. <laughs> no, it's fine art, motherfucker. <laughs> Damn, that's a lot of men's butts. Is aren't they like really nicely drawn though? Like the drawings are. <laughs> I saw. I learned about him in art school. His he is a great draughtsman. Like the, the drawings are fucking sick. <laughs> so all these like super butch guys with like the triangle bodies with yeah. giant packages, mm-hmm. just wearing sn- tight leather outfits, just snakes in their <laughs> pants. <laughs> God damn it! My search history is going to be all over the fucking place. <laughs> Brown, brown, Dalsim, Tom of Finland. <laughs> yeah, and the FBI is going to be like, this guy is, I, I'm impressed. This guy's into some shit. I want to be friends with this guy. He's got a good life. <laughs> uh, yeah. So my yeah. last note on this entire thing is something we've already said, but again, this feels like it's pretty, pretty well ahead of its time. Like, as I was watching it, I was like, okay, this is actually pretty good, like mid-90s. 2000s cartoon and then i looked up the all the background information of it and i was like 88 this came out in 1988 that's insane i wouldn't say it's woke but um it's it's close it's, it's dozing woke, it's close yeah it's dozing maybe i don't know degrading on a curve <laughs> <laughs> that's how i got my well MBA. there's the episode title <laughs> So I do like to talk about voice actors quite frequently in the show, and I think that's kind of like a pretty decent segment for us to get into. And one of the surprising things for this particular uh, series is the voice acting. Almost all of the voice acting is done by just actors, not proper voice actors. 
Not they're improper voice actors. So they're improper voice actors. They're, they're like folks that were trained at Juilliard that did like off Broadway shows. Ah, or, okay. They were doing like a lot of live action stuff. Um, the guy that played Bulletproof, I could not find a photo of him anywhere. I had to dig deep in order to get his cameo appearance off of X-Files Whoa. to see who this motherfucker was. And he does not have a lot to his name. Like, literally, when you click on him in uh, IMDb, it pops up Cops. That's, like, the thing he did the most of. Oh, wow. Well, I'm sure he had, you know, he's sure he's done other things with his life, just not IMDb no, 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 no. credits. I'm, I'm sure that he has. It's just, it's it's very interesting to me that they have, they have individuals on their show producing high-quality voice acting that seem to have relatively limited experience. They're probably uh, cheaper. They probably were cheaper. Uh, but it, what's very interesting to me, though, is just like how how good they sound, like how good they were able to, yeah. how much of a performance they were able to get out of these guys. And I think that actually was one of the key points that led to the popularity of the show over the figurines was was that voice acting, like strength of the voice acting, even though a lot of these folks are, are no-name voice actors. I, I think there are definitely good points to the show. I felt like the sound... Uh, was very good. The sound editing, the music was spectacular. The music was good. Yeah. The music was really good. It was really diverse. Some of it was really weird, um, and the theme song is actually really catchy and awesome and kind of classy. Um, the character design is fantastic. Costume design is awesome. World design is like stylish, but somewhat lazy. Somewhat but, lazy. Yeah, but it's it's still kind of cool because it kind of gives you that like. Almost like a, a noir future style. Yeah, it's Art Deco. Yeah. The the um the color is great. Every, every all the color is really really pop. It's very in line with that late eighties aesthetic, though. Yeah, like that was you know post Miami Vice. I mean, I remember my parents having that like the commissioner's office, like those pastels and the bleached wood and everything. I remember that. That was like their living room set. <laughs> it looked very much like the neighbors in Christmas Vacation. Uh, Louise, Julia, Julia Louise yeah. Dreyfus, her and yeah. her boyfriend or whatever, like the white like and the that gold. Stark black and white, yeah. Yeah, and then in the glass, and then everything was just like, it looks like they just dipped toothbrushes in like pastel paints and just went zzz all, yeah. all over everything. Like they tried to Jackson Pollock the fuck out of shit. And it it, it it's very, very... You know, their vision of 2020 was just a, a future vision of that because you envision the future to be what you know with at least some amount of delta to it to make it look futuristic. Yeah. Fun fact, the guy who made that, who in, sort of invented that look uh, was named Oren Sherman. Uh, and he was one of my instructors when I was in school. And oh, no sure. shit, really? Yeah, That's fucking yeah. awesome. And he, he taught a RISD. Yeah, and he like... Um, he was incredibly, incredibly popular in the eighties as an illustrator, like super, super popular. And then he was like, you know, uh, it, my career lasted ten years doing that, and the just look, like that, just like yeah, that. the look was no good yeah. anymore. Yeah. I had to go do other things, and uh, it, it was really interesting the way he talked about it. So was he, was he one of the guys that spearheaded the look, or was he somebody who capitalized on it? I think he was one of the definers. He was probably wasn't the only one. Okay. But he was a big part of that the pastel color look 
Yeah, I mean, man, I remember that being everywhere in the early 90s. Uh, he would say that like uh, an, a, an art style, like an illustration style or something like that, uh, it'll last eight years. And then you got a good, then you have to change it um, or do something else, but you can no longer make money off it that the way you had. So you can continue to do it. You're just not going to, it's not going to pay off at all. Yeah, you'll consider it old. Yeah, you'll you'll have diminishing returns on it, or there'll be so many people copying it if it was popular that it it's and all meaning. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that it's 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 ubiquitous at that point. Nice. So we also missed a segment from this series, uh, just because we are watching cops off of YouTube. So there is a there is a PSA portion of this that gets tagged <gasps> on at the end. It's called Cops for Kids. Oh, really? <laughs> yep. Uh, each and every Cops for Kids segment was made with the blessing and assistance of D.A.R.E. Uh, oh, I'm uh-huh. sorry, with assistance of organizations like D.A.R.E., National Crime Prevention Council, and the California Highway Patrol. Mm-hmm. So they were admitted from international broadcasts, but they were still on the U.S. ones. Uh, the issue is they did not have a unique uh, Cops for Kids for each Cops episode. Oh, they so repeated they- them. They repeated them, yeah. So we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve <laughs> of these. <laughs> so apparently they just wanted to do a dozen. But they have such titles as No Smoking, mm-hmm. Don't Go Into Dark Alleys, <laughs> Good Ooh, Advice, Don't Ride advice. With Drunk Drivers. That is true. Say No to Alcohol and Cigarettes. That's terrible lie. advice. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, Fucking yeah. don't do it, kids. Uh, my favorite one, which is let me, just, let me take a big swig of beer right now. Mm-hmm. My favorite one, which is just gangs. Oh <laughs> man, it doesn't define whether gangs are good or bad. It just loudly all about pro- gangs. Yeah, loudly gangs. proclaims they they exist. Just like vandalism. Ah, mm. now are there are exclamation points at the end of these. There aren't. There's actually no uh, punctuation in any of them. So. Uh, I feel like they they were missing some. Uh, no, because they joie de vivre. No, because they followed the fucking Chicago Manual of Style. They're well written. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's all I have to add. Um, Gangs. So we kind of covered this a little bit at the beginning, but does anybody remember watching this as a kid? Okay, so I never saw the cartoon. However, they like offloaded all these cops toys into the toy store on the military base in Hawaii and I remember going in and there was this whole aisle of like this toy brand that I had never seen before or heard of before and honestly like the art was really good and I was like this is cool uh this is interesting I thought it was like G.I. Joe right you know Mm -hmm. I loved G.I. Joe as a kid and I was uh, I was really excited for it, and I was like, I want to get this. You know, I hope it catches on. And then I never saw it again. Oh, never that ever. That sucks. Would, yeah, and, and again, that's kind of strange because you think that they would have been much more popular as toys because they were very. It, it really did seem like it was GI Joe, only yeah. as cops. So. Um, I think I saw it because again, like it had already failed in the states, and they were like, uh, "Fucking ship it to Hawaii." <laughs> <laughs> those those kids don't know. Yeah, I I definitely do not remember watching this show. I don't remember the toys on this one either. Well, you were you were relatively young when it first came out, right? You were 
like four or five. Yeah, weren't yeah, you like short and young? But I mean, Silverhawks. I definitely remember, and I definitely so, had toys, yeah. uh, and that was about the same time frame. I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here. No, I, I actually have. Don't, I have some don't do it. Memories of um, cartoons that I remember being told that I watched, but I didn't <laughs> actually watch. And my like talking to my mother today because I, I told my mother about about this. Um, this podcast that we're doing. Why she was did like, you, oh, this why is did just you like, do that? She was like, it was just like when you were a kid when you would come up to me and explain in intricate detail everything that happened in a cartoon that you just watched. And I had no fucking clue what you're talking about. It's just like <laughs> that. You're doing that now to everybody else. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. She was <laughs> That's like, remember perfect. That, remember that yeah, cartoon never, you used to watch? Up. She was like, remember that cartoon you used to watch, uh, Speed Racer? And I was like, I know. I never watched i know what speed racer is I've, I've seen the live action movie i've seen the cartoon as an adult but i never watched that as a kid she's like no you did i remember watching it as a kid speed racer she was like she was like i would sit you in front of the tv and you would just you would, you were fascinated with that show had like a monkey in it and the guy that drove in a really fast car with a five on it i was like yeah that's speed racer jeez she had a good so, memory <laughs> yeah wow so so i actually have like a distinct memory of somebody else's memory of me, of me watching these shows basically and I feel like that that very well could be the case for a lot of these as we're starting to get into them. And and this was when, like two years ago? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was last week. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. David, tell, tell us so, about your memories so. of cops. I, I really don't have any memories, but there are like certain parts, like especially the opening, that seem very eerily familiar. Yeah. The design of that crazy uh, mad scientist with his brain inside a, in like inside a dome, he rings some bells for me. And b- before we move on, guys, I just we have to do this for Mike. There is a redhead on this show. Why did you put that in the message? We could have gotten him to show up. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Why is he not here tonight? Who? Who is the redhead? Who are you talking about? She's uh, the cat burglar one. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. In in the opening. Oh yeah, the one that has the She's goggles. And she can see the lasers. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. And she she can. Uh, yeah, you're right. She does the uh, entrapment scene. <laughs> she gets past the lasers. <laughs> Damn it! Yep. We could get Mike to come here now. <laughs> we probably could actually. Um. So that, I think that's that is Nightshade, I believe. Yeah. Raffaella Diamond was born into a rich family. She ended up disowned when she turned to crime, stealing expensive and exotic jewelry for the thrill of it. So she's Catwoman. Yeah, she now works for Big Boss and is secretly in love with Mace, who reforms her after Big Boss kidnaps her younger sister to force Nightshade to pull off a major heist. Whoa. So there, there actually are some relatively complicated themes within the series when we get to like the broader series in general. Uh, because apparently that actually takes place over the course of several episodes, where Mace falls in love with her, and like they have like this weird like on again off again thing, and like he can't bring himself to bring her in when he catches her, and like vice versa. I and fucking it knew like, it. I looked yeah. at that character design, and I was like, nope, she's like the Catwoman type. She will yeah, like she, she plays both. She plays both sides. She's the bad girl. So I I was living in uh, Germany. When this came out, I was in Germany. I was living in Berlin at this time. Okay, and um, I think that this, like, like you, Matt, this was one of those like um, off market, yeah, venues. second secondary market, secondary tier, yeah. Like, so AFN definitely purchased 
this series and I watched it. I believe I watched it religiously when I was a kid. And I think part of it was me watching the intro and being like, that's the best episode. I got to watch that episode. Yeah. Um, I don't remember anything about the series. I just remember that I did watch it. Um, because all the characters are very familiar to me. Um, that intro is like definitely something that's kind of burned into my brain. Um, it's going to be interesting to see like how many memories kind of surface from us watching some of these old shows that I had completely erased from my mind. And now like, oh yeah, that guy did that thing. And that guy did that thing. And this is when my dad punched me in the face. Oh, wow. <laughs> that fucking escalated quickly. <laughs> Not Jesus. if you know Adam. <laughs> uh, I, wow. I hope your dad didn't just roll up you <laughs> cold cocky in the dome. Boom. No, well, sometimes he did. Usually it was because I would like, uh, left Legos on the floor in front of his bedroom door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quote, unquote, <laughs> left. <laughs> Accidentally. Quote, unquote. Jesus. Uh, no, we're, we're giving him. I, I have no idea. I think it probably was accidental. But it happened like 10 or, <laughs> 10 or 12 times. And a lot of these Legos have been sharpened. What happens? <laughs> and then they Do you know the... how much these Legos are going to be worth on BrickLink? <laughs> 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 At least 25, 26 cents. You, you know what's funny is um, I think I had that original astronaut that Mike was talking about during that one episode. I had a bunch of and, them. And I'm pretty sure like I scraped all the paint off of the front of it so I can actually make my own design mm-hmm. and like turn them into like little ninja men or something like that. Good. That's what you should have been doing. Yeah. I, I on the other hand, had all of them in ev- – I had two in every color. And I assigned them genders, and I kept them as pristine as possible, and ranked them by which, how, in what order I liked them best. And then you stuck them in your butt, <laughs> in accordance to that order, <laughs> with the one you like the most going in last. No, that's not true. Oh. Always start with the one you like most. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. That way, you're motivated to really get the doctor's attention. You're like, please get it out. <laughs> I Holy like that one the best. <laughs> Holy fuck. An original Black Seas Barracuda, which is yeah. the original Lego pirate ship, which oh, I, yeah. have, I have, that. Yeah. that is still in its box with its original instruction manual uh-huh. used is going for $330, $340 plus. That's not very much. It That's costs like a hundred dollars in nineteen eighty eight money, so nineteen eighty nine money. I, I mean, I, I this is this is at my parents' house waiting for when we adopt our son. Then I'm going to go get it and bring it here. I would never sell that. All right, Matt, would you let your dear darling child watch this television program? <sighs> uh, I probably would. It's not very annoying. There are some strong female characters. It's boring. Um, and predictable, but it's got some good design, bright colors. You know, it's interesting. So, yes, I would. Derek, your dear darling future child. Uh, yeah, I actually, the episode that we watched of this show I thought was incredibly boring. I thought they could have gone in a lot of different directions, but I actually clicked over to the next episode uh, on YouTube, and it's playing in the background, and they all have jetpacks on, and they're fighting guys on roofs of like construction buildings and everything. So I think the episode we watched was boring in and of itself. But uh, yeah, would I let my kid watch it? I enjoyed watching the show. How I, I definitely dare you one. watch another episode? 
Well, I didn't. It just started playing, and I'm your like, betrayal, wow. Your betrayal harms us all. You're on level two. Actually, you're on level one. I don't even know what that is. Is that pre or post Malone? <laughs> that this is, is Malone. right now. This that is, is Malone. This is, Malone. That is now Malone. <laughs> I'm oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking at him and be like, hey, check out our episode, Posty. Tell me good, if you like it. Good luck. <laughs> so uh, watch him get super stoned and be like, that was amazing. Oh. Easy thirty thirty. Oh. oh, I'm not gonna oh. hurt him. Yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna hurt him. No, we'll like it. How was that? With my horse penis. <laughs> I call it. I call it the mule. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna reverse its electromagnetic pa- uh, polarity and rip them panties off you. Because you got them metal panties, I assume. It would work for an underwire bra. Oh, it would work on void. It oh. would work on void. Yeah. Oh yeah. It would also work on all the Silverhawks. Ooh, uh, so, so do you think uh, Void and Thirty Thirty are ultimately going to get it on? You know, I'd like to think, and I do at night. I think this is a tradition that we blow Thirty Thirty <laughs> early. Really? I yeah. really think that Tom of Finland was an inspiration for a lot of these character designs. <laughs> and if you disagree with me, just start pausing the episode whenever they show the back of any character. Because those are some pert buttocks <laughs> that they have in some tight white pants. The only education I have on this is is from Reddit. So I definitely know what it is and I've seen it. Um, and so when you're like, Adam, look it up. I'm like, Adam's about to get a whole lot of ass in his life. <laughs> um, it's, it, it is, it is uh, considered um, very important for the history of gay culture. Um, yeah, I know. And, and really considered fine art. Like, he was very accepted by the fine art community. Um, yeah. And honestly, it, he fucking, he can draw. <laughs> yeah. That dude can flat out draw awesome. Yeah. No, he I He chooses I was... to draw some things that um, I find very interesting, but I'm not um, yeah. hey. as moved hey. by as maybe the target audience. But yeah. he does it really, really good. Yeah, no, I, I definitely knew his importance in, in gay culture because he was drawing that in like the late 70s, early 80s, right? Oh, yeah, So it was early. right at kind of, yeah, right at like as the movement started to gain steam. Yeah, so. they were they were becoming much more public and he established all these like uh, archetypes of yep. gay masculinity, especially like the leather daddy biker, uh, mm-hmm. sailor. All the village people. Yeah, very much so. Yep. Yep. Yeah, but again, yeah, that's that's cool. Like I I knew that and then hearing it from somebody who actually has an art degree, like I was like, I think this is true, but I'm not sure, but yeah. It you was know, they'll give anyone Adam. an art degree if you pay for it. Well, I mean, he has talent. You have talent too, but he has talent. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a, you know, a world famous fine artist <laughs> drawing and, butts. And I am telling dumb jokes on the internet. <laughs> Hey, we appreciate your dumb jokes. Thank you. I had no idea that butts were the way. <laughs> <laughs> Circling all the way back around the Mandalorian. Uh, yes. <laughs> I had no this idea that butts were the way. Uh, this is maybe, the way. It, it, Turns out to be butts the, the whole way. time. <laughs> who knew? Yeah, butts who knew? Are the way. 
Um, he also he the, Mando up in that butt. He liked to draw. <laughs> he'd like to draw guys with those like chap style pants that um, Turbo has on. Yeah, actually, you're right. Like yeah. Turbo, tur- well, no, Turbo has uh, those has, aren't chaps. He has Spartan are, pants. No, he has the riding. Uh, yeah, like riding. Spartan. No, chaps are the what the the leather that goes down the the legs. Yeah, with you're right. No, with no seat, so that you can draw maximum butt. Uh, he's wearing uh, what the fuck are those called? The riding pants. The yeah, ones that flare on the side. Yeah, they're for like in case you have a lot of extra thigh. Yeah, like colossal amounts. Yeah, um, yeah, just I'm like Spartan. Up, I'm looking it up. Riding pants. Riding pants. Riding pants. Riding pants. Riding pants. Try fla- Try flared riding pants. Breeches. There you Jod go. purse. Right? Is it Jod breeches purse. or jawed purse? It could be jawed purse because this would have been. English and English are fucking racist. <laughs> no, Jodhpurs are the yoga pants of writing. Flared writing pants. Nope, they are Jodhpurs. Jodhpur pants, large. Who wants to go next for Dirty 30? I think I kind of already blew some of mine a little bit. <laughs> um, As the tradition the tradition holds. At, at it, the tradition holds, but um, Taser. Yeah. You know he's got to be a fucking voyeur. You know he is peeping in people's windows oh, constantly. Oh, God, you're so right. Trying to see what's going on. His face completely impassive as he hovers mm-hmm. eerily right at your 50-story apartment window. Dirty 30 is where we're at. Derek, do you have a Dirty 30? Uh, nothing different than what you guys said. I didn't think anything else. The, I mean, the major, major over-sexualized thing was like... I'm gonna use half power, and then he like pulls the trigger, and it I was goes. Just gonna say mule, yeah. Jiggle, 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 and he's like full power, and it's like boom. Were you attracted to Da Hightower at all? Uh I I have to say that I was a little bit, but I, I mainly if... I have a thing for power. Was so. her eyes? <laughs> you also her, <laughs> they her were jubbly so eyes where they kind of like move around her head. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, they were like. <laughs> <laughs> like this, all over the fucking it's place. Like, oh well, in profile you're not too bad, but straight on, oh, oh, what type of yeah. wreck was that? Here, put Oof. this bag over half your head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Only half, though. Uh, Adam, I will say, uh, you also like lawyers. That's true. That's true. Well, she wasn't yeah. a DA; she was commissioner. She's, no was commissioner. She was was a she commissioner. commissioner? She's uh, yeah, okay. top I she cop. Was DA. No, no. Oh. Like that. That's that's what made it even like more. Uh, interesting was delicious. We we often see women in the DA position because it's like law adjacent or mm-hmm. law enforcement adjacent. Right. You know, she she's like she's part of it. She's helping to call the shots, but she's not part of like the day to day for like the systems and decisions that are taking place that put people's lives in danger. In this series, they made her the commissioner, so she is ultimately in charge. She she faces that peril on a daily basis. So. Yeah, she's the top cop. Yep. All right, David, so, what is our next segment? The next segment is the One Universe Theory. Uh, 2020 would still be uh, on the generation ship. Yeah. And I think, I think this I yeah. this I, may be a city inside of maybe like a, a, a big dome on that ship. You, you think that this is like the Art Deco yeah. city? They did, they did each city in a style. Yeah. And, and this one they did Art Deco style. And that's why everything is so clean yet crime ridden. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I like that theory. I can see that. I can see that. 
Yeah. Well, and, and we, we also see that that despite the fact that they're using high tech gadgetry that seems like it would be lethal to a certain extent, nobody really gets injured. No. Throughout the entire series, the only time somebody gets injured is when um, Bulletproof is in that car accident. And that was literally an accident. That was him on the side of a car getting driven into a building. Well, it, that doesn't sound like an accident. That sounds... We didn't see that. Yeah, th- that sounds... No, we didn't... Yeah, we didn't see that. It sounds and, like and maybe he caused the accident. It very well could have been that he, he caused it. But but it would stand to reason that if if they were on the generation ship, they would want to be using non-lethal um, weaponry for fear of breaching the hull of the ship. That makes a lot of mm. sense. Here's my theory. Uh, and, and uh, you know, hear me out. So this takes place in the year 2020. Um, and honestly, like, we haven't been able to, to travel out much. Uh, my theory is that this show is literally true. This is what is happening in 2020, and we just don't know because we can't get out of our houses. We're out of touch. You know, like our news is filtered. This is what's happening outside. This is what the world is like. This is what's happening in Empire City, or as we know it, Bangkok. (laughs) (laughs) The late, late 80s, early 90s pastel art deco aesthetic is back i'm just saying it's going to be weird when the vaccine comes and we can get out and see that it's going to be weird it's and a whole different world out there adam i know you just redid your kitchen with white fucking goddamn cabinets and like <laughs> marble quartz countertops yes nope bro rose, we are we quartz. are we are ripping that shit out for fucking whatever bleached birchwood and formica it's coming. We're gonna get go you out, some of that. Go out there and go out there and tell Alex. Go get the sledgehammer and start the demo tonight. We're gonna get you some of that white wicker <laughs> furniture. Yep. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. I got it. I got my. I got my glass everywhere. Yep, okay. dude. Seriously, there won't be a surface you can't do cocaine off of. <laughs> Every everything is gonna be like chemically sealed down to the atom level. David, do we need to pick our next episode? Well. Do we want to keep this episode on the list? Mm, do we want to keep cops on the list? Not this episode, but if cops. I vote for yes. Because I feel like... Excuse me. I feel like there's a lot more to this uh, series uh, than what we saw in this particular episode. Again, I feel like we got one of the weaker mm. episodes. We always um, say that. Yeah. <laughs> one of these days we'll be proven right. Or not. Who knows? I'm with Adam on this one. I... I vote yes, and I feel like I kind of cheated a little bit because the episode rolled over into the next episode. A little and bit. I had it. I cheated a lot of it. I'm sorry. You're I got. I got to confess. I watched about half the first episode too. Fucking. Yeah. It's we got a sorry. really really weak episode. David. We got a really fucking weak one. David. Yeah. Can I punish? Can we punish them? Can you punish I, me by giving me well, Voltron? Well, I, I don't think we, we can effectively punish Mike, so no. I bet I can. I don't think. <laughs> Make Mike do it. Uh, I, I also, th- there are a few themes that did pop up with throughout the research, not like just watching the episode, but through research of uh, some of the things they talk about, like um, 
Bulletproof's chassis actually has like stun grenades in it. <laughs> and it, it has like a it has the ability to jack into computers. Mm-hmm. Does it? It jacks into them. And they're it apparently very um, aggressively. I didn't watch the entirety of the first episode, but apparently in the first episode, um, Big Boss does conscript uh, the Doctor Badbrain. Mm-hmm. I think that's what his name is, um, into creating a quote-unquote crime computer <laughs> that will basically give him ultimate power over crimes. So I feel like there's actually a lot more to chew on here than what we got from this episode. I agree. I also just think we like this as like we tend to like... Uh... <laughs> We tend to like this genre and these kind of uh, scenarios. So, um, yeah, I think it. I, I think we want to keep it in. Okay. What say you, David? I was going to pretty much abstain, but uh, we have three, four votes, so okay. we'll keep it on the list. Okay, so next episode. Well, next episode is Heathcliff. For a future episode, future queued up episode. In so Adam has Heathcliff in a I got future episode to Planet of the Apes. Yeah, man, you're gonna love it. Uh, what did you get, David? I got number one forty nine. Adam, by the forty nine. Ooh, one forty nine. Spiderman Unlimited. Ugh, more Spiderman. Back on Spiderman. Oh, yeah. dude, is Spiderman Unlimited what the year? Uh, was this the one that we really did not like? No. No, 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 no. We got rid of that one. That was the... Uh, okay. 2006. 2006. Okay. Oh, wow. Uh, it's so bad, it's actually just, just erased from our queue entirely. It just disappeared. Can we can we get a little Christmas magic reroll No, there? it's still here. I see, I see Spider-Man 2017. Gross. <laughs> um, Spider-Man so... Unlimited. We have 13 episodes. Mm. Okay. David, can I spend a point of edge to re-roll that? <laughs> <laughs> I think you spent a point of edge to get uh, Silverhawks. Can you, uh... I didn't spend a point of edge. Mike gave that up. Could you mail a kilo of, campaign, of cocaine no. to get out of this yeah. one? Um, Mike, Mike spent a, a uh, point of edge. That's how Derek has the edge. Yes, because Mike gave it to Derek to do Silverhawks. Mm-hmm. We got number thirteen, the last one. Seriously? Oh Jesus! We oh boy! We always we... end up late in the run. All right. So how are we <laughs> waiting the die this time, David? We have Matt in an elevated position. Hmm. And I think it's actually me. Oh, 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 David. Okay, guys, let's 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 in let's in the record. Matt's like, I've got to go to bed. No, it no, no. Twelve thirty. It's fine. We can keep talking. I just let's end the record okay. so that David doesn't have to cut all this stuff. Oh, gotcha. All right, three, two, one. No, wait, no, no. Done. Don't. You don't get You don't get to count it down. Wait, what? No, no, because no. we need to do our Sign outro. Off. Yeah, yeah, we need to do our outro. You have been listening to something amazingly terrible that we like to call amazingly terrible. (laughs) For Derek, I am signing off. My name's Adam. 
I am heartbroken by the fact that we will not be recording again until the new year. I'll miss you guys. I hope you have a great holiday. Thank you, Adam. Also for Derek, I've been Matt. And I also, yeah, I'll miss you guys till next year. For Derek, I've uh, been David. And I would like to uh, really thank Derek for letting me know to stay off of all internet chat rooms and their spoilers about the Mandalorian. Mm. <laughs> Jim Manuel. Jim Manuel. <laughs> Amazingly Terrible is produced by David Marks. Send your emails to monotonously terrific at amazinglyterrible.com. Music by Josh Woodward.